If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and welcome to Season 2 of the Audiobook Club with John York. The Audiobook Club, partnered with Pro Audio Voices, celebrates audiobooks, the amazing people and teams who make them happen, as well as the various talents behind storytelling. To learn more about Amplify and other opportunities to grow your sales, platform and audience, head over to ProAudioVoices.com and listen out for a short but informational advertisement within this episode. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by voice actor and audiobook narrator Torian Brackett. Torian, it's such a joy to have you on the show. How are you today? Doing really well. Really excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's very nice of you to say. It's lovely to have you here. So, like, how's how's 2023 been for you so far? It's been pretty wild. It uh, it started with a move, a cross-country move. I'm originally from New York, and I uh, headed out to L.A. on the 5th. Yeah. So I'm about a, a couple months into this big transition. It's been nice. So, like, how how is L.A.? Like, what would you mind, like, I mean, what made what made you feel like feel like making the move? Well, it uh, it became necessary because of uh, things going on at home. Um, and so, you know, it, it happened earlier this month and I kind of wanted to follow the work. There's a lot of uh, video game and animation stuff going on out here that you yeah. kind of want to be a local for. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice to be able to just be present for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, it's a little colder than I expected. There's, <laughs> there's been a lot of like winter storms going through, at least um, in the U.S. And so when I was packing my stuff and decided, oh, I don't need all these sweaters and hoodies and things like that. I'm going to L.A. <laughs> it's been it's been chillier than I thought I would need uh, my clothes for. <laughs> So what's the what's your setup like at the moment? Have you got like a home studio um, setup yet, or are you working mainly in studios? Can you let us know what what you know what's going on with with your setup? Yeah, where I am right now, I do have a pretty suitable closet that I nice. can get work done in. Um, but other than that, yeah, going into studio is really convenient because I'm you know yeah. right there. I can hop on a bus or train to get to wherever I'm going. Yeah. and record in studio so that's been really convenient um but yeah it's nice to be able to still record remotely yeah absolutely i know that there's like a really great um audiobook narration and vo community out there in la have you had chance to kind of dip your toes in that and go you know meet up with any local narrators and vo actors a little bit that's been nice as well i um I realized I knew a lot more people than I thought I did in LA <laughs> just <laughs> by nature of um, interacting with people in the VO community. You're right. Yeah. A lot of them are based in LA. And so yeah. once I was here, I really tried to hit the ground running and just see what was going on and introduce yeah. myself and network. And that's, that's been really good. I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people. Yeah, fantastic. I'd love to um I'd love to start by getting to know a little bit more about you if that's okay. Would you would you be able to tell us a little about your your background and and, and how you found yourself in this crazy world of VO and audiobook narration and all of that goodness? 
So before 2020, <laughs> I was doing a lot of musical theater in New York um, and really kind of on track to, you know, do stage things, Broadway perhaps. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of like my bread and butter. And I was in the middle of a run of Sondheim on Sondheim going on in Brooklyn. Oh. And right before our closing weekend, New York shut down because we all know why. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so for a few months, you know, I was kind of sitting around like, all right, well, you know, this will be done soon. We'll be back in business. Yeah. And then we weren't back in business for quite yeah. some time. And I, it started to really make me wonder, okay, what am I going to be doing with myself? Because... I needed to be doing something creative, something expressive, something artistic. Mm. Um, that was kind of a baseline. And that's kind of where voiceover started to creep back into my radar. Um, so I reached out to someone who I knew was doing it at the time, and I got the lowdown. Mm. Um, recorded my own demo, which is a bit of a taboo, depending <laughs> on the uh, corner of the industry you're working in. But you know, when you're starting out, you gotta have something to show of people. Course. So, my first gig actually was an audiobook, uh, which I mean, go figure. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I was really glad that it worked out that way because I really got a nice crash course in this industry. I learned a lot about my sound editing and things like that. Recording my first book in the middle of a New York summer, it was uh, it was a trial by fire, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was great. I really do enjoy uh, this kind of work coming from musical theater. It feels like a one man show to me doing audiobooks and doing all the yeah. characters and the narration. It's it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Like, what, what draws you in? You know, what specifically about audiobooks as a medium like draws you in as an actor? You know, it's on the one hand, I feel like I learn a lot from mm. um, the projects that I work on, especially if it's nonfiction, you know, mm. might have a biography or something. But the fiction pieces are so fun. Um, and I, I have to admit, I'm not much of a leisure reader on my own time. I'm much more like a gamer. Yeah. But when it comes to my work and getting to experience these stories, it's really fulfilling. And, you know, it's like, it's fun <laughs> doing yeah. the work. And I feel like a lot of people can find their work to be like, oh, gosh, I have to go do this. But I, re I really love getting into the story and learning about these characters and how how that they relate to me and how I'm going to end up uh, performing yeah. them. That, yeah. that little extra layer that makes it interactive. Yeah, absolutely. How are you with um, like kind of retaining information from a book that you've read? Because I must I must um, admit, I myself, I'd like to think of myself if I'm reading a nonfiction that's got some, you know, really good facts that I could bring up at a dinner party. But they just go, they leave my mind <laughs> like a day later. I just are you are you the kind of similar in that respect? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I'm very similar. You know, they don't really stick, but I remember how they made me feel. And yeah. so if there's a book that I really enjoyed, I'll, I'll remember the title at least. Like, yeah, there were some great yeah. nuggets in there. <laughs> I'll have to look it up for you. <laughs> so you said that you first, um, you know, early on, you were first like, you know, uh, tasked with doing an audio book and it was like your first kind of, you know, taking on this, this as a, as a craft. I kind of wondered what, you know, early on, what did you find most challenging about this medium? Oh, um, the time management is so, so important, especially if you're working from home. 
Mm. Um, you know, someone gives you a book and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll get this done at some point, but the actual day to day of it, of setting yourself up to record X amount of time, you know, how much can you handle as an individual? Mm. How much can you finish in a day and spreading that out so that you're not, you know, inundated with recording every day. Um, as you know, as opposed to being in studio when you're working with someone, you can kind of knock a book out in a few days. But yeah, my uh, my first at home project was maybe I, I gave myself a generous window of time <laughs> to complete it because I just knew, you know, this is my first time. I, I want yeah. to do it right. Um, so that getting that and just doing it for the first time was challenging um, and just not really having a flow yet of, of mm. prep and organization and the recording days, you know, figuring that all out as I was doing it yeah. um, was a, uh, was a fun challenge, <laughs> but one yeah. that I'm glad I don't have to keep repeating. Yeah, absolutely. How is your, um, now that you've got quite a fair few audio book narration uh, projects under your belt, to say the least, um, kind of what is a typical day in the life for you when you're recording at home? Could you walk us through kind of what the average, average day looks like home narrating? Yeah, well, on one of my recording days, you know, I'll get up, I'll definitely have breakfast, eat something, make some tea. Mm. Just kind of relax myself. It's it's hard for me to like just get up and go straight to the booth. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'll try to push out at least two finished hours before I'm like, okay, I'm good for the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, when you're when you're working from home, there's all so many other things that you have to deal with from day to day. So I try to balance that out and really spread out the project so I can do it in in little bites. Yeah. Um. So you know mixed in with whatever else i'm doing that day i'll like i said record a, a yeah. couple of finished hours and you know just take it from there sometimes yeah. i'm feeling ambitious and i'll go a bit further but then we're always limited physically by you know uh, how much our voices can last yeah absolutely um, I'm always blown away by your distinctive character voices and how immersive they are. Could you tell us a little about your your process for creating character voices? You know, it's so fun to just have a little toolbox you can pull from. And that definitely comes from musical theatre because, yeah. you know, you're tasked with creating characters that need to reach the back of the house, right? Which, yeah. you know, it's not... Uh, you don't need to be as big for audiobooks, but you definitely want to have a nice wide range of people to pick from because mm. these authors are filling up entire worlds uh, with their characters. So I, that's something that's important to me is having distinctive characters and people that sound lived in and grounded. Yeah. Um, definitely with my, my main characters, my protagonists, they're usually a little closer to my voice. They're going to have Hmm. the biggest emotional arc so you want to be able to hit all those points and not you know feel strained but hmm. someone that just shows up for you know a couple lines in a chapter or just pops in and pops out they're they're probably going to sound a little wacky <laughs> <laughs> as much as the book will allow yeah do you uh do you ever find yourself like out and out and about living your life and then you'll hear a person's voice and you think oh that would be a great if i could just mimic that that'd be that's going straight in the bank all the time i don't always succeed at it but i you know i always i'm very observant of those things when i'm out and yeah. about and 
I hear somebody that's like, whoa, where'd they come from? It's like, I want to, <laughs> I want to hold on to that and maybe use it somewhere. Someone in yeah. a book one day is going to sound like that. Yeah. I'm a stone's throw away from walking up to a random, a, like a stranger who I've heard with a, with a, my phone voice memo saying, could you just speak into that, please? Just for like a few sentences. It's <laughs> like, such a good idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I also saw um, that you voiced a certain uh, guardian of the tra- guardian of the trading post in none other than the world of Warcraft. I I know that there are fans of the game who listen to this show, and I just kind of wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that experience because I thought that was so cool. I agree. I also think it's super <laughs> cool. Like I said, I'm a gamer, so getting yeah. to be in World of Warcraft of all things was just a dream come true. <laughs> Um, so I, my manager is a woman named Celia Siegel and she runs the Vio Chateau hmm. and, uh, she's got a great relationship with Andrea Toyas, who is the casting director for Blizzard and hmm. all of their many projects. So through the Vio Chateau, um, there was a workshop going on with Andrea and of course, everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody wanted to read for her. There wasn't enough time, so they yeah. decided to pick three names randomly for for reading for her, and um, mine was the last name picked. So already Whoa. I was like, "Universe is speaking <laughs> to me." Um, so I read for her. It, it worked out very nicely. I emailed my manager immediately after. Hey, tell Andrea I had a great time. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And uh, the follow up was, you know, can he do a Jamaican accent once again? Universe. I'm Jamaican on my mom's side. Um, I'm a second generation immigrant, so it's, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, position of being uh, being asked to do that. Yeah. But it is my uh, background by blood, so it was something I was I was ready to to jump on, and I did have yeah. work that I could show her um, that, that that showed that. So I was really like happy to be prepared for that moment Mm. and once that was sent in it was pretty much confirmed i was booked at that point so it was just surreal Uh, we recorded in a studio in new york um because blizzard's based in california but they do have relationships with studios i guess nationwide yeah and i got to do a character in shadowlands and zenkala the uh, trading post uh cashier guy (laughs) that's great uh, that, yeah what was it like kind of um this may be like a pretty vague question so i do apologize in advance but like kind of could you could you sort of like maybe take like what is what is it like recording something for for you know in this case world of warcraft do you like how much time do you spend at the studio or like kind of what like what are the types of conversations that you'll have with like the director that kind of thing is i'd love to i'm so interested in how it works you know it moves pretty quickly um I mean, for two kind of NPC type characters, there wasn't a whole lot to do, but Andrews uh, takes such good care of the actors in the session. You know, we really talk about why the characters are there, what they're doing, all, all that jazz. You yeah. don't always get that opportunity. Sometimes you're just given a script and go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I really appreciate her for that. Um, but the session itself was maybe, you know, under two hours. Yeah. Um, where we just went over the lines is like a Excel spreadsheet of all the lines. You get a little context behind each one, give a few different takes of each one. 
Um, she's on the session with, I believe, one of the writers from the team that worked on this character to, you know, add further context. And it's like, you do one, okay, I liked A and C, next one, and we were done in record time, yeah. Yeah, nice. It's so, so cool. To voice um, to voice characters in video games are a huge goal for many voice actors uh, who listen to this show, for example. Um, for those starting out, it can often be a rather elusive, um, you know, how to put oneself in the best position for opportunities to audition, you know, for such roles. I wondered if you had any advice or kind of like first steps for what those in that position could, you know, maybe take on board. Mm, uh yeah be tenacious be persistent and a, a good mentor of mine always says uh stay ready so you don't gotta get ready and <laughs> what that means is really um being proactive about taking classes and getting in workshops and workout groups with your peers and just practicing the thing that you do so that when the yeah. opportunity comes along because it will come along and you will get multiple chances to do the thing that you want to do, but you have to be ready to receive those opportunities. Mm. Um, so just make sure you're on point and prepared for those moments. And then when they come, they will be yours. I think that's great. And I think that's so true as well. You've, there's so much work to do internally. Um, and not, you know, I mean, obviously on your on your mindset and stuff, but also your craft um, before you go out and do that. I think that's absolutely right. Um, you mentioned getting out there and, you know, into different groups and stuff. I wanted to ask about networking because um, networking is such a big thing for us, you know, in both the VO and audiobook industry. You know, um, events, conferences, meetups, a huge part of this world. We have APAC coming up in the next few weeks, for example. Um like, do, do you attend many audio industry events? Is that something that you find yourself trying to do on the regular? I think it's uh, it's been crucial to my career so far. You know, I've mm. been doing VO like three years now, and I feel like it's not normal for me to have done some of the things that I've done in three years. I have to like really pinch myself sometimes. But I think a huge yeah. part of that is because of how I've, managed to network and who I've met mm. in that time. So all three years I've, I've gotten involved with the One Voice Conference. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were doing it online in 2020. And then I went in person to the US one in, in Dallas um, the last two years. And uh, I met my agent at the first in-person one. Um, last year was also great <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah just the the um, the array of other colleagues that i've met and how those uh seeds have really blossomed into other opportunities later on months years later it really it really uh pays for itself that kind of investment and and it's fun like just, yeah we, we, we're so often by ourselves um recording with no one to talk to <laughs> <laughs> and so getting that uh kind of opportunity just hanging out with yeah. people that get the thing that you do yeah you know i, I enjoy it it's i yeah. guess it's not for everyone but i see a lot of value in it well i was going to ask actually because i keep getting messages from folks who um describe themselves as, as natural introverts um and like, do you have any advice for our listeners like ab about networking especially if you can find it rather you know anxiety inducing and, and you know kind of kind of scary really Funnily enough, I would consider myself an introvert. <laughs> but the thing about it is, you know, 
you have to be willing to put yourself out there mm. um like for me i'm i'm definitely willing to go and have fun but then like once i come home i'm not leaving the house again like that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. introvert i am like i need my me time yeah. but when i can be present in a moment with people that's exciting for me um at the same time i do still get anxious about especially when talking to people that may be able to give me an opportunity you know i mm. don't want to come off as desperate i don't want to like yeah. you know push myself into conversations that you know aren't organically happening you know so i do try to let things flow naturally with people you know if i'm at a conference you know talk to somebody i'm sitting next to at the workshop maybe if there's some mm. kind of social you know just try being myself i guess is the uh is the simplest way to put it which yeah. i think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit for just being themselves or yeah. like oh i'm not interesting or i'm boring or blah 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 blah, blah. but yeah you're actually not <laughs> you know <laughs> just getting to know people like people are going to find something that they're drawn to in you and that's going to create opportunities because it's you know, there are so many good voice actors, but people get hired because, you know, people like them. And so yeah. if you can get that kind of relationship going, then you're kind of ahead of the game in a lot of ways, When it, especially with people who can give you opportunities. They're going to remember, oh, that cool person I met at the conference. Let's yeah. get him in this audition pool, you know, things like yeah. that. So it's, it's a weird, uh, weird equation of things that all kind of have to fall in place i guess yeah but it's so doable like, i encourage anybody who feels like oh they're a little nervous to go and talk to people like give it a try you might find someone who feels the same way and then you just made a, a new friend yeah yeah so as you know it was um it was interesting because i used to be so i mean i still am you know like a base level nervous but i used to go in shaking to events you know for various things and then um i was chatting with somebody and they said well next time lean into it and go and tell somebody you know nice person who you meet there how nervous you are and i decided to do it and they turned around and went oh my god me too and then we ended up becoming mates for ages <laughs> so it's, it's true <laughs> so it's kind of nice and i think it's also like getting over that I think there is like a, a part of a lot of people's brains where they say, okay, I need to be a certain type of person that they want me to be. And I think that can make you more nervous and kind of mess you up a little bit. And you kind of think, well, I, I'm not that person. I need to be, you know, more, I, I need to come across like really professional or like really like no humor whatsoever or whatever. And it's, I think it's just, it just all adds to it. You can sort of self-sabotage in that way, I guess, if you come across, you know, if you're nervous naturally at that that kind of thing exactly you've got to mm. it, it's like you're trying to play a role and you've got to do a lot of rehearsal to do something like that off book you know yeah i should know <laughs> <laughs> i also often uh, receive messages from listeners who um, always want me to ask about pre-production because pre-production is one of those things where even though it's kind of you know we're all narrating audiobooks and, and that kind of thing but pre-production is completely different for from one narrator to the next and i'd love to know about your process for pre-production could you could you give it a give us a little rundown of of uh, you know what you do to start prepping for an upcoming audiobook uh oh, i mean reading the book is uh, probably super important uh, yeah. but uh nowadays i i've gotten really uh partial to the i annotate app which yeah uh which lets you kind of notate audio specifically you know, when i get to a new character and I'm like oh god what are they going to sound like 
and just record some voice memo of what I is swirling around in my head. And then when I go back to record, it's like, oh, great. I don't have to rack my brain about what I was thinking when I came <laughs> across this person. Um, so yeah, aside from just getting a sense of the story and getting ahead of any weird plot twists or crazy characters or anything like that, yeah. Um, mainly just yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of the extent of my prep. And I don't know if there's a lot that other people do that I'm <laughs> missing. I th I think it depends, isn't it? I think it's all down to whatever, because it's all about making sure you're as prepared as possible. If like for you, isn't it? So there's so you know, so I think there's no sort of hard set rule other than I, I guess read the books at hard set rule. But you know, it's it's just down to uh, different people's processes. I think it's really interesting. And you know, I think with some nonfiction series, with some fiction series, you know, some people are developing entire new languages, so you've got a lot to mm. look up and pronunciations, things like that. Yeah, um, definitions of things are always helpful so yeah if you've got an unfamiliar um topic that you're dealing with definitely yeah. that part of prep um is good has working in the vo industry in the audiobook industry kind of changed how you listen to stories or play video games for example like can you play a video game now and like hear a character and not think oh i could have done that that could have been me <laughs> like it's so sad like you we can't enjoy things anymore <laughs> acting in general has made me so analytical about tv and movies and now like you said working in vo i'm like yeah. i'm hearing lines and then saying them to myself like how would i do it like just <laughs> watch the thing tori and it's like, jesus yeah. uh so yeah it's definitely affected me in that respect um I, st I still enjoy the things, but I'm I'm a little yeah. more. Uh, I still get I get I get involved with it a little more in that way. <laughs> yeah, there's a um there's a supermarket for well, it's, it's a clothes shop uh, called Primark here in the UK, and uh, when you're they have really long lines, always really busy, and uh, they have like an, a, a sound system that comes on. It'll say cashier number five, please, and then you go to the cashier. And I met the lady who does that voice, and ever since I met her, I've just become obsessed with listening to like you know if you're on the train and you hear a little you know if you see anything suspicious, call the authorities. I think I could do that. I want to do that. <laughs> I became obsessed with listening out for it. <laughs> oh man, riding the New York subways. Oh, please stand clear of the closing doors like every day, multiple times a day. Um, auditioning is a huge aspect of the VO and in audiobook world, of course. Do you have any advice for auditioning? Like, is there a certain mindset that one has to adopt to avoid getting, you know, too obsessed with a particular job? Or, you know, it's just sort of staying realistic with your chances, but then also not being like a total zombie, you know, of, of, of passion. Have you got any sort of advice around auditioning as a whole? Yeah, um, I mean, send and forget is kind of the the motto that a lot of us try to hold to. Mm. Um, and this is something I... Another thing that I really learned the hard way in uh, doing musical theater, because, you know, you you go get up to go to these in-person auditions, but pre-2020 anyway, you know, you wait online to maybe get seen, you do your song and you're seen, and then you wait. Hmm. And it's really easy to obsess during that time, you know, did I do enough? Do they like me? Where are they going to call? I'm refreshing my email every two seconds. And it's, 
you are you're unable to focus on other things until you until you hear back and that's not really sustainable <laughs> and so what i started doing for that was i started keeping an audition journal in which as soon as i left the room i would go write down what was i auditioning for who was in the room what did i think what was i wearing how did i feel going in that day how did i feel about how i did and all of this to just get it out of my head yeah so that i could put it away and focus on the next thing and that kind of that practice i did it i, I had this audition journal until until it just felt like i could just do it on my own mm. and that kind of helped me coming to vo where where the frequency of our auditions are just so much more and you have to be able to just do it okay what's next mm. and then you know maybe when they call back maybe when they email back great a, a job yay um that's not to say that you shouldn't like care about what you're auditioning for i think there's there's a, a good middle ground where you're doing the thing you're putting out your best work but you're not marrying yourself to it at, at yeah. that stage anyway at the audition stage you have to be able to say like this is uh, this is my version of the thing mm. please enjoy i'm gonna go continue doing the other things yeah <laughs> it I, make sense. yeah it does i think the journal is a fantastic idea because i think because especially when there's so much stuff swimming around in your head and just getting it out on, on, a, on a piece of paper and just getting it out there so you can kind of you know you give yourself permission to forget about it because it's written down you know and, and i think it's i think that's such a great idea yeah that voice in your head uh... It will not shut up and so <laughs> I, the journal was a way to kind of have a conversation with myself and yeah because there isn't not everybody has somebody that is going to sit there and listen to them after every audition like oh my god i want it so bad like yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. be able to self-soothe in that way mm. yeah it's a great idea how are you uh, dealing with uncertainty you know have you gotten like that like, good you know? <laughs> <laughs> is it straight straight up just 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 not good oh well the, uh that's the <laughs> the short answer <laughs> i it's I, I i like having you know knowing what's coming next whether it's good or bad it's it's good yeah. to be able to prepare um that's uh it's something i talk to my therapist a lot about is like my yeah. need for control in my life so yeah. not not knowing things are coming that's part of why the uh the journal thing came about because i needed a way to like get take back control from what is essentially out of my control yeah and that's a lot of the life of an actor so what am i doing here <laughs> so, yeah um so yeah learning how to wrestle with that feeling um has definitely been a huge uh learning learning curve for me but mm. uh you know, I'm a, I think I'm at a point where I'm functional. At least. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the biggest things I was going to say for me to get over, um, but I definitely haven't gotten over it yet. Um, but it's, it was one of those things that I didn't really, you know, when I saw this life for myself um, and I saw the freedom of not having a boss, for example, and, you know, being your own creative sort of leader, I guess. And then it kind of hit me. Oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing in six months time. And then occasionally I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a month's time. And I found that so difficult to maneuver, and I, I still do. Yeah, especially yeah. financial uncertainty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. 
yeah it's it's scary um yeah and so really I, I guess if people are listening that are thinking about getting into vo or transitioning from like a full-time job or something you know really do your research and try to talk to someone you know is do who is doing it um so they'll let you know how how deep that uh that hole yeah. can go <laughs> yeah it's like it often seems that like you don't want to put anyone off but it's just the truth it's the you know there's yeah. just you know it shouldn't be a secret because it's, it's something that i think a lot of people don't don't see coming or maybe overlook and yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah we all do it because we love it and it is worth the uncertainty yeah the uh the chance to get to do this kind of work yeah and so you have to really weigh that with you know what your responsibilities are with your life what you can mm. afford to give and take for yeah absolutely with this line of work there is um of course the creative side but also the business side you know growing your awareness searching for opportunities did the business side like come naturally to you or was it something that you had to learn along with the um, you know with the with the art side i did a lot of learning about the business side yeah. when i started <laughs> I'm so I'm so uh, grateful and fortunate that I had been acting for as long as I was. I mean, I'd probably since 2014 or so mm. um, before I started VO. So the creative side I felt very solid in. Mm. And so when I when I made that decision to start, it was like, okay, what do I need to do business wise? What branding do I need to do for myself? What uh, I need to make a website for VO? I need to yeah. get a good demo set up all, the, all these business questions that i didn't need to do simultaneously with learning how to perform um i think was uh was fortunate for me because i could really focus on those business aspects and fine-tune them yeah. so yeah that was, i'm pretty happy with where that is right now yeah has it all has like acting performance has has that always been on the cards for you was it is there was there ever anything else that you saw yourself doing or you know I, i'm sort of trying to avoid the question of if you couldn't do what you do now what would you do but i suppose it is on the, those lines <laughs> well i i started undergrad fully intending to become a, a foreign language and inter interpreter i was studying oh, nice. japanese for a couple of years I was gonna like work at the UN and go to yeah. Japan and teach English. It was... <laughs> uh, I applied for the JET program. It's the Japanese English Teacher Exchange. The, and the plan was, you know, after I graduate, go mm. do this exchange program, and it's gonna be great. Um, I got waitlisted, and that uncertainty came and yeah. really did a number on me. I, uh, you know, that plan not working out was like devastating to me at the time. Um, mm. And so I ended up <laughs> becoming an actor <laughs> as a result. Uh, quite the pivot, but uh, I think I've always been pretty expressive. Yeah. And I, I had taken classes in college, it was, you know, was, you've got to take electives and kind of be mm. a well-rounded student. And so it was, it was something that was interesting to me, but the more I got into it, the more I liked it. Mm. and thought wow maybe this could be something that i do do yeah um so yeah that was like something i was toying around with up until it was clear that my original plan wasn't happening i was like okay well i guess i'll try this you know yeah. um i really latched on to something that felt like i had a direction you know i wanted to have yeah. some kind of purpose and 
so far it's been great and i'm really happy that it worked out the way it did what's a question that you wished you were asked more when it comes to narration just anything just anything at all (laughs) i guess that would be a great question like what do people what should people be asking you people don't (laughs) ask me that people like i think in general people should ask each other like like genuinely how are you more i think people need to genuinely ask that like with the intention of receiving something and people need to also respond genuinely because that's a great opportunity to connect and i feel like a lot of people live in the hey how are you doing great yeah and kind of that's just what we do as human beings and it's like yeah we could do more we could do better come on guys yeah <laughs> so yeah and in, in when it comes to like you know people my friends and relationships i, I would love for us to do that more yeah but, um like professionally oh gosh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh what's the best place for people to 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 keep up with you I'm pretty active on Twitter. That's become like my home base. Um, but you can follow me at TBVO. It's T-E-E-B-E-E-V-O at all socials across the board. Twitter, Instagram. I've got a TikTok, but I don't really post there. Mm. I just have it. Um, but yeah, follow have me. You know- I do stuff. Would you, um, because TikTok's been one of those things um, that I've seen that a lot of narrators have joined in the like last couple of months, and I even joined the bandwagon, tried to post and stuff, and it's become like a real community on there. I was, I was actually going to ask, like, have you, have you decided to, you know, take a leap into that, into that world? I've got so much respect for the people that regularly make content for TikTok, like doing full-on video productions and live narrations and everything, and it feels like a lot of work to me yeah <laughs> and if you got the time and motivation by all means i mean so many people use that platform and the world we live in today you know people want to get more involved with their content and the people yeah. who are making their content so it just makes sense that oh i can watch my favorite narrator read on tiktok it's it's like a, a, a twitch stream yeah so yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I don't know if I'm the kind of person that will... I, I have so much trouble even doing self-tapes, like, and getting all that set up. Like, yeah. it's it's a lot for me personally, but um, yeah. I do think it's a wonderful place. Yeah. I, so I, I have a lot of admiration for those who um, do live reads and things. I read, I watch them a lot, and I just think, I just don't think I could do that. I think I'm so self-conscious when it's just me and, you know, in the room and I'm sending it off to an editor who's going to listen to one person who's going to then, re- you know, go through everything as proof. And, like, I'm already, I'm already so riddled with anxiety. I couldn't imagine broadcasting it to, you know, um, a full thing. So I have nothing but respect for those who do it. It shows how, you know, they're, they're a lot better than me in their, in their own state of mental well-being. Well, it's just, it's a different things to worry about, I guess, because I, I feel like I wouldn't, be too concerned about the the public aspect of it just yeah because i've been doing shows live on stage so of course yeah but just the technical aspect it's like i yeah oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Well, um, that just brings us uh, to to a close uh, for this episode of the Audiobook Club. All of the links to Tori and social media and websites will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, another huge, huge, huge thank you to you, Torian, for joining us. Had a great time. <laughs> Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook? Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman? Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience, and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.